You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got uh, a fun program today. We are Canada's number one tech radio program. In today's show, we will uh, be talking about all the announcements from MetaConnect. This is uh, Facebook's big, uh, I guess, uh, VR kind of world, meta worlds. Uh, they've got all the VR headsets, and they've got a bunch of different uh, announcements uh, happening there. So we'll uh, tell you where virtual reality uh, is going and the metaverse is going. And uh, we're going to be talking about the latest uh, Microsoft announcements. Uh, lots of stuff happened in the past month. Uh, everything big in the fall here from, uh, you know, Apple, Google, Amazon. Well, it's Microsoft's turn. They've uh, got a cool set of uh, hardware announcements, everything from new uh, Surface laptops uh, to an audio dock and a Teams presentation remote, which kind of looks kind of fun. And they uh, are integrating AI image generation into PowerPoint. Will this finally make your PowerPoints not so boring? Uh, John, let's talk about some of the uh, news happening uh, out there. Uh, this is kind of cool. A uh, or an artificial intelligence tool can scan your retina and predict your risk of heart disease in 60 seconds or less. Yeah, this is a really interesting development uh, out of, out of uh, I think it's London. And they recently published a research paper talking about how the fact that using simply a, a photo of your retina, which has a number of arteries and veins in it, they can use AI to detect any potential heart disease that you might have because the health size and the bendability, if that's a real word, uh, of those veins and arteries can actually be measured and can be early warning signs for health problems, uh, specifically for your heart. And they've sort of developed a tool, which isn't quite out yet, but they're still doing some tests to make sure it actually is as accurate as they think it is. But early results seem really good. Yeah, you know, artificial intelligence is really coming uh, uh, along very quickly now. Uh, we're seeing other studies now using AI to detect things uh, like Alzheimer's uh, as well. So this is uh, only going to become more and more of a, a thing in the, the medical space. So we'll uh, keep our eyes uh, uh, and ears uh, open to any of these new developments. Uh, CNN, John, remember they were uh, touting a big uh, NFT thing they were going to do? It looks like uh, they have uh, pulled pulled it. <laughs> yeah, the great decline of NFTs has um, has been going on for a little while, but a lot of people are really upset about this because it's a common practice. They call it a rug pull. Basically, you bought into something, you've invested into something, and their their NFTs that CNN was selling were were sort of around uh, major historical moments in news and you could actually own an nft from the cnn archives of that and a lot of people spent money uh, apparently over three hundred thousand dollars was spent on people buying these uh nfts non-fungible tokens and it's uh they basically they haven't shut it down per se they've just stopped promoting it and sort of uh downplayed a lot of it well, we're seeing that with uh, so many different NFTs, and uh, the the cryptocurrency world is uh, still, I, I think, in a, a downturn. But uh, as with all types of markets, uh, that uh, will uh, most likely come back uh, in the uh, the coming years. Uh, GM, they're really getting big into batteries, uh, John. Uh, you know, as we get more into the uh, electrified space when it comes to vehicles, obviously Tesla, one of the big leaders out there. GM really making moves to to be a player. 
Yeah, they've they've got a, a number of different products that it's not just for their electric vehicles. It's for a number of other things as part of a spinoff business. And everything from um, big stationary batteries to store, you know, the the power that you're generating from a solar panel, solar solar panel that might be on your roof of your business or your home, uh, those types of things. So they're really trying to like take on Tesla uh, full force. Well, isn't that the key, though, John? You know, to any of these uh, electric vehicles and, and just uh, you know the electrification of uh, of all all the different types of. Uh, devices uh, that we have is it, it comes down to the battery you know you know obviously tesla's done a good job of uh building out uh their sources i think they've partnered with panasonic uh in in that regard but it looks like uh, gm is investing heavy uh into this uh to you know keep competitive in uh you know the the truck and car space yeah it's an exciting time because more competition only gonna make it cheaper i hope so i just i i can't believe how much the prices increased on uh, electric vehicles uh you know in the past uh you know year and a half like i i could sell my 2019 tesla model 3 i think for just as much as i bought it for if not more just because the the demand there's just not enough of them thank you high gas prices <laughs> no kidding like i you know i was uh, traveling in uh oregon with uh, my trailer and my truck and john i cry every time i have to go to the gas station like it's just insane how much the gas prices are right now. It's just hundreds of dollars every time I fill up that stupid truck. <laughs> yeah, and you know, sadly, I just I don't think uh, electric pickup trucks are going to be really ready for prime time anytime soon. I know Ford's got their F one hundred and fifty Lightning electric uh, truck. I don't know when the Tesla Cybertruck's ever going to come out. So that's been delayed, you know, for years now. Uh, you know, GM's announced one as well. But, you know, even from the early test, John, of uh, I think the Ford F-150 uh, electric truck, it can't really tow anything for any great distance. Like, sure, if you're just using it to get from place to place, uh, fine. But if you're trying to tow uh, any type of weight, any trailer, you know, like five to 10,000 pounds, the battery just drains down to nothing, like, quickly, like within hours of driving. Yeah. Yeah, so your range is dramatically reduced. Uh, and that's the thing, right? Like if you were using that to, to travel around, uh, it would just be unbearable because you would have to stop every couple hours and, and, and actually probably detach whatever you're towing because none of these electric chargers uh, are pull through at this point. Do you know what I mean? They're all kind of back-end chargers. They're all in like strip malls and, and shopping mall parking lots. So there's no way you're going to get your truck and, and trailer <laughs> into some of those tight spaces. Do you think that's going to be a boon for those types of places? Like you see along the highway where all the trucks go, you know, those kind of truck stop kind of places will have drive-through charging bays. I, yeah, for sure, eventually. But, um, you know, how many of these truck stop places are there along... <laughs> major highways i mean down in the u.s it seems to be a bit better uh canada i can't think of too many and like how many of these like they take up a lot of room like if you're a truck and you're towing something uh whether you're just kind of like a, a pickup truck but think about you know tesla they're they're actually producing semi trucks now and those got to be charged somewhere so you know just imagine the length of some of these things you know with my truck and my trailer i'm 55 feet long like how many of these things can you line up in one of these truck stops or rest areas is yeah, the, the question. Especially for something that big, you're going to be charging for quite a while too, even with a fast charger. Exactly. Like even with the Tesla superchargers, um, you know, it's, it's about 35 minutes, you know, to go from, uh, you know, like nothing up to like 80, 80, 
85%. So you're right. Like it could be an hour or more of, of sitting on that charger. And if you have to detach and stuff, it just gets into a whole kind of nightmare. Um, so I, I think I have to stick with my gas truck for now, John. Sorry, wallet. <laughs> it's crazy. So we've been hearing a lot about robots lately, you know, especially uh, after Tesla's announcement uh, or unveiling of their uh, prototype humanoid uh, robot. That thing couldn't even walk yet. Didn't they have to carry it on stage? Well, no, I, th- I think it actually walked a little bit, but it was the first time it was untethered. Okay. It walked kind of like how Bambi walks when she was first born. Kind of scary. You're expecting it to fall over any minute. Yeah. Well, there's a number of robotics companies uh, that uh, have come out with an open letter. Now, Boston Dynamics is one of them. We've uh, actually talked about some of their robots uh, on the show and uh, the TV show as well. They've got the, the robot dogs uh, that are used in a lot of uh, different type of factory and manufacturing facilities. Uh, well, they've, uh, in conjunction with a number of other robotics companies, have uh, released an open letter uh, titled, General Purpose Robots Should Not Be Weaponized. So these are six companies, uh, including Boston Dynamics, uh, that spell out their concerns, uh, you know, as far as harm and serious ethical issues about weaponization of their general purpose robots. Do you think that'll stop anyone from <laughs> doing it? No, because the people that want to do it will just do it. But they're going to encourage them not to. But I don't know, this kind of reminds me of uh, RoboCop to a degree, the prime directives that Robocop has and how his evil creators have uh, sort of went against those rules. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a troubling future. You know, uh, you know we, we've seen uh, apparently some makeshift bombers uh, in you know, the Russian-Ukraine war. Uh, you know, they've uh, taken DJI quadcopter drones and uh, have weaponized them. Uh, I don't know how well those work, but, uh, you know... A lot of this off-the-shelf kind of robotic uh, technology, uh, obviously very affordable, but you can see how it could be used uh, for not-so-good purposes. Absolutely. We're going to have to take a break here on Get Connected. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking about some of the Microsoft uh, announcements uh, that uh, they've uh, unleashed this past week and uh, the latest from Facebook and the Metaverse. Uh, They've uh, announced a new virtual reality headset not cheap, and uh, also integrations of uh, their software with other popular softwares out there like Teams, Office, uh, and uh, even Zoom and uh, Xbox. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. It's time to dive into the metaverse once again. Uh, One of the leaders out there would uh, be Facebook and uh, Meta, which is their parent company now. They just had a, a big uh, set of announcements. One of the big things would be their new headset, John. Uh, we both have the, the MetaQuest 2 headsets. Uh, these things are about, what, four or five hundred bucks, roughly? Yeah, they just went up to about four or five twenty-nine Canadian, I think. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm actually happy with the purchase. Like, it's uh, come a long way as far as virtual reality is concerned. Comes with a headset and the two little... Uh, hand controllers uh you know you can use it for uh watching media like virtual reality videos uh you can also play you know games on it as well we we use it for virtual reality meetings which i think have been pretty pretty cool it's just kind of a whole other level well they've uh, announced a a new 
headset. Uh, I think it's called the MetaQuest Pro. This thing's a little bit more. I think it's going for around the $2,000 mark, almost four times as much money uh, as the uh, the one that we have, John. Yeah, the Quest 2 is really meant for consumers, gamers, and uh, the, the Quest Pro is sort of targeted at sort of the uh, business community, enterprise, and uh, professionals. So the idea is that this is really marketed towards like engineers, uh, game developers, and uh, and uh, basically any kind of creative work where you need to have access to the ability to collaborate in a virtual world. Um, you know, architects can use this to bring in you know the architectural models and throw them down on the virtual table in front of you and collaborate with their teams to sort of look at something from you know in interesting way. So. Um, the the big difference between the Pro and the Quest 2 is the fact that the Pro has virtual reality, just like the Quest 2, very similar specs-wise, um, but it also has the augmented reality, the mixed reality functionality, so you can actually see through your um, so your headset and see your surroundings. And so I think it's really meant for uh, sort of two different things in that respect, um, but yeah, I mean, $2,000 seems like a lot compared to the consumer version, um, but they basically said that the Quest 3, which will be coming later next year, is the next generation and uh, for consumers. But this one is really meant for more the the business folks. So, uh, again, what you're saying, does the virtual reality, but the augmented reality, the AR, because you can see your, your surroundings and it can overlay graphics and and things like that over top of it. Kind of like the Microsoft HoloLens, right? Yeah, it's it's very similar to the HoloLens, but uh, it, it seems to be a much smaller and uh, more comfortable to wear form factor. Uh, and so that that's the appealing part of it. But, you know, uh, like all things that are new and bleeding edge, one of the downsides to this particular uh, headset is that the battery life isn't terrible, or is terrible, sorry it's like one to two hours because it's doing a lot more. There's a lot more sensors because it actually has face tracking. So it actually will track your face and your eyes inside the headset, which is something that the Quest 2 does not do. So that's something that developers are looking at how they can exploit those features and functionality to give you maybe gestures. So you can just sort of look at certain things and not have to actually interact with it with your hands, um, those types of things. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I mean, this this whole kind of metaverse and virtual reality world is uh, you know picking up steam now, uh, you know, faster and faster. I'll be interested to see when that uh, the new consumer version comes out uh, in a year. I guess rendering ours uh, obsolete, right? <laughs> pretty, well, pretty much. Although they've been pretty good at sort of backwards compatibility for, for at least one generation. Uh, the Quest One is still supported by a lot of different uh, games and, and apps. So um, you know, we've got the Quest Two. It always comes down to like, what are you getting with the new headset that you're not getting in the older headset? Um, interestingly enough, in at the Meta Connect event this week, they also announced a number of really interesting sort of upgrades to the existing platforms that they have. So the big thing that it just sounds kind of silly to talk about it like this, but we're getting legs for our avatars uh, in the virtual reality world. Right now, in the, in VR, you're basically just a torso and a head with hands. You don't actually have legs, so you're not really walking around. You're sort of zooming around in VR, and they've added legs, and they've added uh, sort of more refinement options for creating a more realistic-looking avatar. 
the metaverse now with legs. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wonder how difficult that was. Like, was that a big deal to add the legs? Do you know what I mean? They like, said you, it was hard. Yeah, yeah. You, you wonder how much programming had to go in to make that happen. Well, one of the things in VR that's really cool is the fact that, uh, at least with our Quest Twos and using Workrooms, which is their sort of collaboration tool, not unlike Zoom or Skype, uh, is being able to track your hand gestures and your facial movements and, and your sort of lip syncing mouth movements, because that really helps sell the virtual reality aspect of meeting in a virtual reality world, uh, especially if it's someone you know and you interact with in the real world, uh, you know, uh, when you're at the office. But when you're not at the office, being able to do that in VR, you can actually really tell just from gestures that it's John or it's Mike or whomever. So it's interesting some of the integrations they're doing with uh, Facebook's Meta. Uh, one of them would uh, be Xbox. Uh, they're bringing uh, the Xbox cloud gaming to MetaQuest. So, you know, with your virtual reality headset on, you could play like a giant screen uh, flight simulator. And I guess any of the other Xbox cloud games through the through the headset. Yeah, it's like going to an IMAX theater in VR and playing your game on a giant screen. It's, it's, it looks really cool. Talking all about uh, the latest announcements uh, from Facebook's Meta. When we come back, uh, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about the virtual world. And is it working? Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Still got lots to talk about. And while we'll uh, be chatting about all the latest Microsoft gear and software they've uh, announced this past week. Some new uh, Surface tablets, some new uh, Microsoft Teams presenters, and uh, they're integrating... Uh, I guess, artificial intelligence uh, image generation where you can just basically type what image you want and uh, working that into PowerPoint. So now you can make your PowerPoints even spookier, I, I guess. Uh, but at the moment here, we're talking about uh, Meta, uh, Facebook's uh, Meta. They had a big uh, set of announcements uh, this past week. Uh, both John and I use their uh, their MetaQuest headsets. Uh, if you know everything from entertainment to watching videos to doing our meetings as well, we meet uh, in the metaverse. What's interesting, John, uh, and I think this is kind of cool, is that they're integrating Microsoft Teams and even Zoom now uh, into the headset, so you can have your Zoom and, and Teams meetings in there. Yeah, I think this is going to be. I mean, you can already kind of do that now with workspaces, and that's the system that we or the software that we use to have our meetings. And if we have a non-VR participant that we want to bring in, they kind of come in using a, a, a browser interface, and they can see us in there in that space. And those people come up like a Zoom call as a floating, you know, TV screen in in VR. But the fact that they're actually integrating Teams and Zoom into this to make it just easier for those people that have those apps on their phone or on their computers to participate in the VR and sort of see what it's all about without actually having to go to a special website or create a special account or all those types of things. So I think that's a pretty huge integration to help maybe bring this to the bigger mainstream and, and, and the masses as well, just as a, as a gateway to what's possible in VR. I'm interested to see how that works, John, because, uh, you know, like we've said, you and I and, and you know, uh, Robin on our team, we have weekly virtual meetings uh, in um, Facebook's meta world. Is it Horizons or in Workspaces, is it? It's called, right? It's Workspaces, yeah. Horizons is their other system where you basically create a an island to play games on or just run around it. And that's always been kind of a, 
a starting point, I think, for people in VR, but it's been kind of limited to what you can actually build in there because of the limitations of the tools that if you're not a, a meta employee, you don't really have a lot of options for building stuff. Well, speaking of meta employees, John, and this is uh, kind of telling about the metaverse in general. You know, we're talking about it. We hear about it in the news all the time. But are people using it? And it sounds like uh, Facebook is uh, telling their employees they need to spend more time in the metaverse. Yeah, it, it has to be compelling, right? And that's the whole magic. If you're working on this environment, you need to be using it. You need to eat your own dog food, as they say, right? So... Uh, but it sounds like a lot of staff don't spend enough time in there and they're not sort of um, complaining from people that like, this could be cool, but it's not. Right. Yeah. We were a little indifferent about the Horizons worlds, um, but definitely workspaces was much more compelling for, you know, for meeting, much more interactive. And um, I, I, I'm hesitant to say it, but it's a, fun, it's a funner way of having a, a video call. I, I think so. I, I Again, I'm going to be interested to see how, you know, we can integrate that with, for example, Microsoft Teams or Zoom, right? Because we use all of them and it'd be just nice to have kind of one central space uh, and especially being able to use the, the headset, you know, the virtual side of it. Um, but, you know, talking about people actually using the metaverse, the metaverse, you know, Facebook's got their kind of little land, the horizon world and, you know, workspaces. Uh, another big one, well, I don't know how big it is. Uh, it's called Decentraland. You hear about it uh, if you're doing any type of uh, dive into the metaverse. Um, and uh, apparently, they had only 38 active users over a period of 24 hours. 38. 38 active users. And that is... Um, it's scary, John, because they've got a market cap of $1.2 billion. Yeah, there seems to be some debate about whether or not that was actively tracked users people that were actually in the space versus ones actually just doing transactions in the space but again these all you know ultimately the metaverse is going to be a number of connected things think of it like a mall you'll go to the metaverse mall and you'll have different stores in that mall that you're going to move between those different stores would be different environments different experiences that type of thing and Decentraland is really meant for people doing, you know, uh, crypto type transactions and that type of stuff in a more virtual space. And yeah, it's an interesting article about whether or not that uh, those analytics were, were accurate or not. Even if there was, a, you know, a few thousand people in there on a daily basis, you know, when you consider how many people potentially have uh, headsets, billions, uh, it's a pretty low number. Well, I, you know, the company has come back saying, well, you know, we have 8,000 users on any given day. That's still not a lot, John, <laughs> you know, for no. a company that's supposed to be worth $1.2 billion. Yeah, but I think like everything like with the metaverse, it's still very early days. And the people that are spending the time and, and losing money in these spaces are the ones that are going to benefit when it does get figured out and sorted. But you've got to make a lot of mistakes along the way, I think. It sounds like it's okay. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat about what Microsoft is up to. They've uh, got all sorts of announcements, some new uh, Microsoft gear, and uh, a way to make your PowerPoints better, they think. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Time to talk. Uh, 
about the world of Microsoft. Uh, everyone else has had their big announcements from Facebook to Amazon to Google to Apple. It's Microsoft's turn. They have uh, announced a bunch of uh, new gear, John, and some uh, software as well that uh, we'll uh, get into. Uh, I guess the, the big f- thing for them, John, would be all their, uh, their Surface laptops and computers. Yeah, these are getting to be kind of an annual upgrade uh, for the various models, and they've combined a couple models. Um, it's uh, an interesting lineup. Um, uh, we, we've reviewed the Surface laptops before, and we've always really liked them. They're very solid, uh, really good build quality, very um, kind of unique ways of interacting because they're kind of like a tablet, they're kind of like a laptop, but they're kind of both. Yeah, you know, uh, the Surface Pro 9 is kind of, I guess, their their latest, uh, I guess, laptop slash tablet. I, I know people that use the Surface um, uh, Surfaces, and, I mean, they're diehards. They love them, kind of like Mac people, if, if you know what I mean. Um, I, I always question, like, how much people, you know, for the, like, for example, the Surface Pro 9, I, I mean, I'd love to have one, make no mistake, but I wonder how many people actually use the tablet mode on that. Well, I, I think it really depends on the type of person or the type of work that you're doing with your device. Uh, the ones that I've seen that you, uh, are typically using the Surface are people that like to take a lot of handwritten notes, that like to do art. You know, a lot of illustrators and those types of uh, creatives uh, tend to like it a lot because it's very portable, fits in your palm or your hand very well uh, with a stylus. And um, and then you have the touchscreen integration that you can sort of flip it over and then have a keyboard. Uh, they also announced their Surface Studio 2 Plus. Uh, this is kind of a, an all-in-one high, high-end uh, desktop uh, PC. Uh, the screen is kind of on this, you know, unique, I don't know, kind of hinge system. So uh, you can really... Uh, manipulate where it is, you know, as far as your eye line. But I guess this one here is a touchscreen as well, John, that, uh, uh, you know, creatives uh, can use to draw on. Yeah, and it's got a, a really nice looking stylus, uh, the Surface Pen that, that it comes with, and there's a keyboard and a mouse. Um, the Surface Studio, though, is not inexpensive. It starts at just under $6,000 Canadian, but it's it's a powerhouse. It's really meant for those creatives that are, you know, doing graphic design, doing all kinds of other uh, types of creative software applications. $6,000, that's that's <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, like a, the Mac Pro is, or Mac Studio, I think they're calling it now, is in the same ballpark. Oh, I remember back, you know, in the early days of PCs, you know, when the Pentiums and stuff were out, John, I, I would spend three four thousand dollars on a new dell computer which yep. i guess nowadays would be up there like as far as equivalent pricing to around six thousand dollars so who am i to talk yeah i mean it, it, i mean this is a fully spec like fully loaded device as well right so and it's very premium they also announced a couple other uh, interesting uh, items um they have a new microsoft presenter plus so this is a uh, a microsoft teams enabled remote uh, presentation control, I guess, John. Uh, so the control connects via Bluetooth to your, your laptop, your desktop, uh, and you can customize the controls, but it also allows you to advance slides, mute, unmute, and even join uh, a room. So I guess if you're in the Microsoft Teams universe, this might be a handy tool. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like it's very specific for Teams users and um, just really making it 
that much easier to have a presentation with something that actually understands what it's being connected to, which, you know, you can get Bluetooth presentation remotes, but I always find them kind of finicky depending on which app you're using to do your presentations. Uh, and the, spe- the fact that we're all living in video conferencing now, and like we talked about earlier, VR conferencing, so it makes sense that you have the proper tools for the job. Um, I also really like their new audio doc that they announced as well, because that's also another big problem, especially with a, a group environment that has to um, interact with people that are remote. Yeah, this is looks like a little Bluetooth speaker, doesn't it? Uh, so this is something that you'd connect to your laptop or, or computer, uh, but it's got all sorts of um, kind of pass-through ports, uh, you know, like HDMI, some USB-C and, and USB-A ports. Uh, but this thing's like a speaker, and it's also got some really good microphones built into it as well. Yeah, I think we might need to get this for our uh, our boardroom. I don't know if anything can help that room. <laughs> Audio just kind of sucks there just because of the height of the uh, ceiling. Uh, but again, uh, you know, definitely something we'll uh, check out and uh, give a review on when we get our hands uh, on it. Uh, so one of the big uh, announcements uh, on this um, this past week, John, would be their AI image generation uh, tool that's going to integrate with PowerPoint. Yeah, well, it, it basically is part of the Office suite. It's called Microsoft Designer. And the really interesting use case for this is something that I kind of thought would be a good use case for uh these AI generation tools, but having it integrated into the place where you're making presentations or reports, those types of things is really cool because this is powered by the DALI 2 uh, OpenAI uh, image generation bot, if you will. And so while you're creating your, your spreadsheets, creating your presentations and your reports, you can actually you know have some uh, contextual imagery that you can integrate into that directly from within the designer app. And is this like, uh, they say they're going to launch a free version of this. Yeah. I mean, because basically the DALI system is, it's an open tool. So they've just created a, a nice wrapper for it that allows you to very easily create something, you know, contextual to your presentation or your report and just drop it right in there. Some of the examples they use, like, you know, if you needed to have, uh, let's say, a um, uh an ombre cake decorated with flowers and fall foliage because you're doing some kind of like fall campaign or something like that. You just type that in and it will generate a number of images and let you sort of scroll through. It's kind of like doing like a Google search, but all the images that are created are literally created on the fly and they're not copyrighted because they're generated by the AI bot that is built into the software. Well, this kind of is could save some time, John. Like you said, a lot of people use Google to search for images to put them into their PowerPoint, uh, or they use the crummy clip art <laughs> that uh, is uh, included. So I guess this is high-level crummy clip art then. <laughs> yeah. But I also kind of wonder what it's going to do for like stock image sites and like Getty Images and other things like Adobe that have huge repositories of basically inspirational imagery that is used to punctuate presentations and reports and that type of thing. If you can actually just generate something very specific to your needs for free in the app that you're using to do the presentation, that's going to save a lot of time, probably a lot of money, and just maybe get something better than what you could find by Googling. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, John. I'm I'm, I'm going to be fascinated to see some of these new PowerPoints <laughs> that have this, this new type of imagery uh, in them. 
you know, as we've seen with some of this AI generated, you know, text to, to image art, some of it is amazing. Some of it's kind of weird at the same time, don't you think? Yeah, especially if you want to have like people in it. It's one thing to have, you know, a cake or, you know, a, a landscape photo or something like that. But as soon as you bring people into it, all the AI bots that I've seen still have a lot of trouble generating, I guess, realistic looking people. Photographically, they look good, but there's always something weird about it. You know, something weird about their eyes, their fingers are too long or they have too many fingers, you know, those kinds of things. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. Don't forget to listen to our sister show. It's called The App Show. It's uh, on Sundays across the Chorus Radio Network. And if you're in Toronto, it's right after this program, Saturday nights. And it's uh, a cool show that we have in store for you. We'll be talking about the ArriveCan app. Uh, you know, we don't have to use it anymore. How much did the government spend to make it? Well, $54 million and counting. A lot of people are up in arms about that now. A lot of tech leaders are saying that's too much money. There was even a hackathon that recreated the app for dramatically less, and we'll give you details on how much less uh, that was. We'll also be talking about being tracked when you're working from home. A lot of us have a hybrid uh, working situation now, working a bit in the office, a bit at home. Well, some bosses want to make sure that you're actually at your keyboard. We'll tell you uh, what that's all about and uh, what you can potentially do about it. And of course, we'll be talking all about the latest uh, app and mobile tech news. I want to thank all the folks that helped put uh, this show together, including John Beeler, my uh, co-host and producer, and uh, Robin back at uh, the studio. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all our radio shows up there with their podcasts and Tons of videos uh, as well. Uh, we do lots of uh, tech reviews and uh, uh, tech tips uh, and tricks uh, as well. So uh, check that out. This is Mike and John signing off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time.